welcome to the podcast, Working Smarter and Harder. I am your host uh, once again, Jonathan Rogers. I'll be going over our episode for today. Uh, today's episode is going to be tackling uh, a little bit of a different analysis. We're going to be focusing uh, kind of within the sphere of control for today. Um, our topic of choice today is going to be on sleep. So we're going to be looking at some of the ways that sleep can impact um, physical performance. There are a lot of different ways that we can analyze sleep on a regular basis as it relates to a lot of different things and it spills over into lots of different realms including psychology, um, the way that we interact with other people, um, and the way that it uh, the way that dreams work and the way that it can affect uh, our day-to-day -day basis. Uh, however, within the realm of kind of our sphere of discussion, I want to be going over a little bit of how it affects us on a physical level um, and uh, give you guys some resources and also refer you to some people who have a little bit more on the topic as well so that you guys can do some more research on your own, especially if you're somebody who is a little bit more concerned with sleep or if you have any other questions regarding that. Um, I will include links, uh, again, in the description, like I always do, to any further resources that I may have access to. So first and foremost, uh, I do want to give you guys our two quotes that we're going to discuss, or that I will, we're going to discuss at the end. Um, I'll give them to you here in the beginning, so you guys can kind of ponder them, you can think about them, and then at the end, we're going to break them down a little bit more, and we're going to talk about kind of some deeper meanings behind those things and exactly what it is that we're trying to get at. Um, and maybe some things that we can find in a more relatable level for you guys. So the first couple that I have, I have a couple different ones from some different sources today. I figured I would expand my horizons just a little bit. I do have one from Plato. Uh, it says, nothing in the affairs of men is worthy of great anxiety. Another one that I have is going to be from uh, Matthew 6, verse 34. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Today has enough uh, anxiety or worry already. And then I have one more for you guys, if I can find it. We're going to refer back to my favorite, Marcus Aurelius, as he says, Today I escaped anxiety, or no, I disregarded it, because it was within me, in my own perceptions, not outside. So again, I want to tie those quotes a little bit back into our discussion for today with the regards of sleep and how the mind is impacted and how that overall impacts the body, um, which I find is an interesting parallel for our discussion today because, as I've mentioned previously, uh, and as a lot of you know, the way that we think and the way that our brain works and activates and the kind of signals that we receive and the type of hormones that are activated and stimulated can really impact us on a physical level for sure. For anybody who has been in the middle of a uh, very uh, skill-biased activity, you know that the slightest disruption, no matter what it was, even if it could just be a thought, can totally throw off your entire performance. And this is true for almost any activity or any sport, uh, but that's kind of getting into the larger pool, I suppose. I want to focus this back on our topic for today, which is going to be on sleep, as I mentioned earlier. So it has been researched uh, extensively by lots of different people, um, and I've even experimented with it myself a little bit over the last couple of years. Um, being a college student uh, that is trying to <laughs> stay in some kind of physical shape, while also trying to study and also trying to work and also trying to 
spend time with a new dog and with my wife it all gets really it stacks up obviously and so the more hours that I have in the day the better so you'll find that a lot of times or I'll find a lot of times that I'm getting up relatively early in the morning to try and get my day started and trying to get those extra activities in before I go to work or before I go to school which can be obviously to the benefit there's a lot to be said about waking up early I would definitely recommend it um, just for a little bit of peace of mind first thing in the morning but the one thing that I will say is that it makes it difficult sometimes to be getting an adequate amount of sleep um, especially as a college student it's easy to get wrapped up as in assignments or getting off late from work especially uh, depending on what your job is if you work a night shift or if you work uh, as a janitorial staff or something else like that where your hours are off or odd and you find yourself staying up later than most people getting home at later hours it's definitely hard to maintain something similar to a normal sleep schedule but I want to emphasize uh, the importance of getting enough sleep <coughs> excuse me so when I talk about getting enough sleep I, I really want to emphasize kind of the time range that we're looking at and give you guys a couple of different resources on how you can keep track of that. So uh, first of all, in the United States, on average, it is found that the average American is getting from anywhere from five to six hours of sleep, which is really unfortunate because we can look at research and find that a lot of the benefits of sleep take place in the seven to nine hour range. So that seven to nine hour range is really where we want to be. That's the sweet spot that we can start to see kind of a lot of that improvement and a lot of those um, effects of quality of sleep that will start to have a better impact on your day overall if you can kind of get within that range. Now, like I said, it's really difficult to try and get into that state of mind where we are that even that place with your schedule where we're getting those seven to eight hours of sleep every single night you might get it if you're lucky on a Friday or like on a Saturday night that overflows into a, sun, a lazy Sunday or something like that but I really want to try and emphasize the importance of trying to get that every single night to enhance not only mental capacity but also physical capability as human growth hormone which we would use for musculature and for bone density and then just for growing in general it is actually not released from uh, its uh, gland until we hit that seven hour mark. Uh, that's when we will start to notice that human growth hormone is being released from the brain and is being sent to the rest of the body to help heal tissue, to help improve uh, muscular uh, repair, and to help out with any other kind of damage or wear and tear that we take on a regular basis. So if you're only hitting six hours of sleep a night, you are, yeah, you're getting six hours, but you're not maximizing that efficiency for, or that potential, I should say, for what is possible within a night's sleep. So I want to look at a couple of different things and give you guys a little bit of proof behind this as I've gone and done, again, a little bit of research. I want to give you guys some science to look at this behind uh, what we're discussing today. So this first one that I found um, it's in, in a relationship between sleep and exercise. It's a systematic review. Um, it's by uh, Brett uh, A. Uh, Dolezal, uh, Eric V. Newfield, uh, and others. Uh, looks like the last time that it was received was 2017. Um, and they just really wanted to do a kind of a an overview of how sleep can have an impact on sports and, and, and athletic ability and whatnot. So they go through a process here and... Uh, Let's see. 
I had reviewed this really well. Uh, let's see. And now I've lost my spot. So they do talk a little bit about how here, especially in Western civilization, with the increase in technology and accommodations that have been made within um, uh, ease of access to media and social media and stuff like that, we really have a hard time uh, sleeping or getting to a sleeping or a, a good sleep mindset, I should say, before going to bed. So here's what those articles have to say. So this one that I found first, they kind of go into a discussion at the end of their article and they say a couple different things regarding sleep and the way that it affects you on a cellular level, which is actually what we're interested in, especially when we're looking at performance or we're looking at just physical activity in general. Uh, we see here, and this is what they're talking about, is that lack of sleep or experimental sleep restriction has found to impair cognitive performance, mood, glucose metabolism, appetite regulation, and immune function. So just right off the bat, we have several different factors uh, that are just negatively influenced by not getting enough sleep every single night uh, and not hitting that seven hours like we're supposed to. Uh, and they say that this conclusion may indicate that the process of sleep affects the brain at an endocrine level. Endocrine is a hormone that we produce as humans, uh, independent of hormone regulation of metabolism and waste removal at the cellular level. So we're not even like, not when we're, when we're not sleeping enough, we're not even getting enough of, we're not even getting the waste out of our system. We're just letting it build up. And they say, and they continue to say, furthermore, this cascade of effects has been suggested to be the possible result of body temperature changes, cytokine concentration uh, changes, increased energy consumption, metabolic rate, central nervous system fatigue, changes in mood and anxiety symptoms, changes in heart rate and heart rate variability, changes in the growth hormone secretion, like we discussed earlier, changes in brain-derived neurotrophic factor secretion, and they kind of go into a lot of these different factors, but the last thing that they say here is an improved fitness level. So this is kind of what we're focused on, but it's funny because when they say improved fitness level, they're kind of summing up what they've said already. Because we know as athletes or as people who are exercising on a regular basis that metabolic rate, central nervous system fatigue, changes in mood and anxiety, all of these things are going to have an impact on the way that we perform or on the way that we exercise. For example, uh, let's see, increased metabolic rate, uh, increased energy consumption metabolic rate, uh, we're going to see a lot more consumption of food, uh, which can be good or bad depending on kind of what our baseline or our daily needs are, but we can definitely have, that can have an impact on the way that we exercise and the way that we move uh, depending on how much we're eating beforehand or how much we're needing beforehand. Maybe we're not eating enough and maybe then we're finding fatigue uh, just through a lack of energy within our system. Central nervous system fatigue. Oh my goodness, if you want, uh, we'll definitely cover this in an episode later, but the central nervous system, it plays such a huge role into the way that your body adapts to stress and the way that it adapts to uh, skill. So if we are having fatigue on the central nervous system, um, especially for uh, like Olympic weightlifters, like who are doing snatches and cleans and they require, require a lot of that technical skill to do their sport well, uh, or like fencing or like even rock climbing. There's just so much intricate skill and attention needed to those different levels of sport that if we're not getting enough sleep, then we have that, that central nervous system fatigue and then you're going to be irritated. You're like, why am I not doing as well as I should be? 
and it's simply just due to a lack of sleep in that situation. There's nothing particularly wrong. It's just fatigue on a system. And then lastly, we were talking about anxiety symptoms. Um, for those of you, this is definitely something that I found more within the CrossFit spectrum, but uh, there's, there's something that we like to refer to as like pre-workout of the day anxiety or pre-wad anxiety, which is where your heart rate gets up a little bit, you get a little bit of adrenaline going, uh, coach is counting down from 10 seconds and you get that little bit of a flutter in your stomach and a little bit of a rush and then you come out of the gate too hot, uh, you may even trip over some piece of equipment or you may drop something or something along those lines where you get overly nervous or overly anxious and then you you end up taking steps that were not intended just simply due to that inability to calm yourself, find your center, and begin your process and try to work into your flow. So these are all different things that we can just see, I mean, within all different kinds of sports, I mean, different activity levels, even for somebody who is sedentary or somebody who does not have a super active lifestyle, I mean, we're still looking at a overall change in, in a, in a uh, I would say a decrease in productivity, um, a decrease, or a, uh, I should say a negative impact on mood. All these different things are going to play into an effect when we're starting to look at this thing that is sleep. So that's just the first example that I want to look at a little bit because the interesting about thing about sleep and exercise is that they kind of work within a cycle. So if you have seen the obviously the the recycle symbol where it kind of just continues to work around in that continuous loop. Exercise and sleep are kind of the same thing. And that's why we often refer to it as being within a sphere or like in our sphere of influence because everything kind of has a cyclical motion to it because exercise is going to impact sleep just as much as sleep is going to impact exercise, which I find to be incredibly interesting just as we are working through this and discussing this. Uh, you can't have one without the other, you know. You could have a fantastic workout routine and the best coach in the world and everything else but I mean if your sleep is off I mean you will be making progress so much slower than the guy who's got a pretty a medium to okay program but he's getting enough sleep every night you know and he's he's training the same amount and volume as everything like that but you really can't out train bad sleep I mean just listening to all those symptoms that we just read off if you are functioning at that level all the time when your competitor over there or the guy next to you or your buddy or even your spouse or whatever is getting more sleep and they're functioning on that much higher level of just uh, like normal autonomic or automatic body function. It's just you can't even compete. So I just want to emphasize how important it is that especially those who, for those of you who are already active and I want to encourage those who are trying to get into activity that there's such a huge benefit to making sure you get the right amount of sleep. And I want to talk a little bit about that and give you guys some tips and some recommendations on what that looks like and how, how do we go about improving that process. Um, one of the best ones that I found and one of the biggest distractions from going to sleep in general uh, is just, like I mentioned earlier, just a, just a tidbit, is media. I mean, electronics and uh, blue light and media, there's so much research to back up how it really does it causes a stimulation for the brain. Social media causes a little bit of a, a blip of dopamine release whenever we are getting notifications from friends and from family. And if you are using that right before you're going to bed, you're hitting that high stimulus point, or that high stimulation point and kind of maintaining it, it makes it really, really hard to ease into 
that, uh, that state of sleep that we're looking for. Even if you are a good sleeper and you are, you have no problem getting off social media, you lay down in bed, uh, you set your alarm for the next day out in 10 minutes, still, you may not be going to bed as early as you would like. So what I'm saying there is, is like, say you suggested your bedtime was 9.30 p.m., but you couldn't get off your social media until 10 p.m. because you got distracted with something that somebody said or you were having a conversation with a friend or something like that. The thing that I found that actually works the best for this, when it comes to sleep especially, is to, uh, especially if you have an iPhone, you can put a limit on how long you have social media apps available for. Uh, And if you guys would like to... Uh, I can actually guide you through that right now, especially if you, if you have an iPhone. You can go to the settings option in your iPhone. You're going to scroll down just to that second little square bar. You're going to see screen time. And from there, it's going to actually give you an average and a, like a tracker to show how much you actually are using your device. Um, and actually, nice enough with the new function for the iPhone specifically, and I'm sure that you can do this on Samsung and other devices as well, you're actually able to pull up a larger tab that will show you how much you've actually been using um, different apps. So it'll give you a graph and it'll show different high points or low points during the day and it'll give you a total for how much you've been using to kind of help you stay conscious of that. The other thing that it has is it'll show downtime. So it will, you pick a time and that's when your phone will not allow you access to a majority of your apps. I like to leave my emergency notifications open. So cell phone, or I should say telephone usage, text messages, Um, alarm clocks and so on and so forth whatever you find to be essential or necessary but isn't going to keep you awake you can select those items and keep them on but otherwise you can pick all the apps that you think are going to keep you awake and keep you from getting to that quality of sleep and you can turn those all off say starting it as early as 9 p.m. I have mindset from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. so after 10 p.m. it's still a work in process for me for sure but I'm trying to quit using the phone turn off all the media and the social media and start to wind down phones are done after 10 p.m. Um, from what I've heard and don't quote me on this but this is something that for example within the CrossFit space the athlete that's been performing at peak levels for the last five years Matt Frazier is doing 10 p.m. cell phone media all that stuff is done that helps you wind down start to work into that rest and digest period get your system off of that stimulation and off of that dopamine, start working in that serotonin, getting you into that sleeping stage and help you out to start easing into that quality of sleep range. So that's one thing that I have found that will help you start to really limit the amount of media that you're using. Um, the other thing that you can do is you can kind of make a uh, kind of an uns- well, you could it could be even written down or something else like that, but some kind of agreement, especially between like you and your spouse or between you and your friends and your family, your roommates or whatever, just that like you have an agreed like downtime in the house. You know how if you're on a flight and they have a specific downtime where the lights get dimmer, uh, the uh, atmosphere of the the entire plane will actually change. They'll actually ask you to if you have headphones for your devices to put those on or whatever. If you're listening to music, whatever just that they are trying to help ease everybody into a state of sleep. You can do the exact same thing in your household. Your household doesn't have to be a source of stimulation all the time. So you can set a time like you can on your phone, obviously, and you can start to ease into that uh, relaxation period. You can start to ease into that sleep period, and you can start to work towards trying to 
get your brain to relax and settle down before you go to bed and before you try to before you even try to start going to sleep. The other thing that you can do when you're starting to talk a little bit about sleep and trying to stay on a better track and course for that is you can start tracking it. So there are a lot of different ways that you can do this. There are several different apps in the App Store. There are different watches that you can get. I know Whoop is a fantastic company that comes highly recommended. It is a little bit on the more expensive side, um, but they do an excellent job of kind of tracking your sleep quality and actually how much you are recovering based off of your heart rate, I believe. I have not done a lot of extensive research into it other than that uh, just word of mouth and from what I've heard and from the people that are using it that I have found to be valuable resources. That uh, just it gives you that kind of extra initiative to have something to look at every single morning that says, "Hey, you didn't recover as well as you should have, or you didn't get enough sleep last night. You need to try and work on that." So sometimes having that extra little bit of feedback from an external source provides a lot of uh, incentive for people, especially if you're a little bit more competitive, uh, to get uh, to bed at least either if not an earlier time to start working on a better improved uh, pre-bed routine so that you are kind of working yourself into a relaxed state before bed and starting to just be more conscious of the way that you approach going to bed. The last tip that I have is um, wherever you're sleeping, whatever that looks like, try to not spend a lot of your, your daytime in that area or in that spot or in that position because the way that our the way that our brain works and the way that our body works is that it will adapt to what we do to it. And we know this just based off of exercise, for example, and we know this based off of um, the foods that we eat, right? Sleep and our environment is the exact same way. So if we are doing schoolwork and we're sitting in bed all day long, then we are focused, we have that attention diverted to our work and we're trying to stay awake and trying to stay focused on the task at hand and be productive. Or if we are reading uh, a lot during the day while we're sitting in bed or if we're eating food while we're in bed, we start to create these unknown or subconscious, not unknown, I apologize, subconscious neurological pathways that tell us that when we're sitting in this position with this environment, then this is for eating or this is for reading or this is for homework or we watch movies when we're here. And then when you get in bed to actually sleep, your brain says, well, no, majority of our time is spent when we're here on homework. And if that makes sense, I hope that it does, that's what your brain will start to adjust to and start to create, making it more difficult for your bed to become a sleep-only environment, making it that much harder to calm your mind down and ease into a restful sleeping state. So if you can somehow start to limit your bed to either just a napping or to a sleeping-only uh, position or location and environment, that will also have a huge impact on the way that you fall asleep, the time that it takes for you to fall asleep, and the quality of your sleep as well. Because your mind will start to ease into, okay, this is where we sleep. This is where we recover. This is where we get better. So that will have a huge impact on the way that you do that. 
And then ultimately, and this is kind of a no-brainer, but this is kind of what I want to talk about and I want to give some research behind it as well. And not just for healthy people, but for people that have other stuff going on. I know that, um, for example, with insomniacs or with people who have um, any kind of depression or people who have uh, excessive anxiety, any kind of mental trauma, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, any of that stuff can seriously have a huge impact on the way that you sleep. And a lot of times it's not your fault. It's not something that you have a lot of conscious control over. There's medication for that kind of stuff. I totally understand. And it really can have a negative impact on the way that you sleep. Uh, but again, just a couple of different things here that I'm trying to recommend today that can really have a huge impact on trying to help you improve with what sleep you can get and the way that you do sleep and so on and so forth. And so again, the no-brainer uh, that kind of has to do with exercise uh, and sleep is that exercise does improve the way that you sleep. So there was a study done, uh, and I will again include links in the description below that you guys can reference it or read further if you'd like. These articles are all available online. I have read through them, and you can as well, and I would encourage you to. Uh, but this article was uh, written by and researched by Christopher E. Klein, E. Patrick Crowley, Gary B. Ewing, James B. Birch, and others. And it is a study on the effect of exercise training on obstructive sleep apnea and sleep quality. And it was a randomized controlled trial. So the overall objective of the study was to evaluate the efficacy of a 12-week exercise training program for reducing apnea sleep apnea, which is where you have difficulty breathing while you sleep. Uh, they were looking at decreasing the severity and improving sleep quality to explore possible mechanisms by which exercise may reduce its severity. Again, a little bit repetitive there, but just trying to help nail that last bit in. So they took these or these individuals through this 12-week intervention and they were measuring the sleep quality with uh, an actigraphy. And really quick, just to clarify exactly what that is, because I want to try and give you guys the best resources here. An actigraphy is a non-invasive method for monitoring human rest and activity cycles. Uh, is worn for a week or more to measure gross motor activity. So this is just something that is, again, it's not invasive. It's just a small monitor that you would wear. And they take the data from that and it translates into something that they can read and kind of uh, assess quality of movement and recovery and all that other kind of stuff through that. Um, and so they were looking at these individuals that are having sleep apnea issues, um, most likely in the overweight category, as but not always. Uh, sometimes it's uh, uh, just genetic or just the way that your body is formed. Um, there is sometimes a potential for sleep apnea to occur in others as well. However, what they found was that exercise training had a moderate treatment efficacy for the reduction of uh, condition within sedentary, overweight, slash obese adults, which suggests that exercise may be beneficial for the management of uh, this sleep apnea beyond simply facilitating weight loss. So here we see that not only are they just trying to, because some people may correlate that exercise simply help them lose weight, which simply help them to possibly just reduce their overall BMI, which is the actual reason behind their sleep apnea. Uh, but this study actually begs to differ in saying that it has an actual positive impact on reducing the sleep apnea on its own, regardless of weight loss. So 
we can find several studies that are tied to this. And the one that I mentioned earlier, they actually do a little bit on this as well. And they also found uh, that 12 weeks of exercise training increased sleep duration and variables of sleep quality in adolescents. Now, when it says variables of sleep quality, it's referring to different cycles that we get into as we sleep because it isn't just one one simple phase that we go through as we sleep. Um, there is the one first phase uh, that a lot of you are familiar with where you're, you're almost asleep but you're not quite there yet. And if you start to dream about something, you may, you may jolt awake and you may flinch or kick out an arm or a hand or a leg or something like that. And that's kind of that first initial stage that we're getting to where you are not quite uh, in that paralysis that your brain automatically uh, activates for you as you get into those deeper sets of sleep. Um, and then there are other phases behind that. Uh, we can go into a lot more of that. Those are the REM cycles that we tend to get into and we will kind of work in and out of those as we go through a full night's rest, which is also why it's important to start to increase the duration of that so you can go through more of those cycles and you can start to hit that deepest cycle of sleep more frequently. So that's that's just a little bit of the, uh, just just a little piece behind the uh, that sleep quality and that variability. Um, however, returning back to the original uh, article, uh, they said, that these investigators found exercise training to decrease stage one very light sleep while increasing that REM sleep and that sleep continuity and sleep eff efficiency when using uh, Polizia monography. And just to clarify, that's just another testing material or another testing method that they would use um, that's a little bit more uh, detailed and articulated to test sleep with. So again, we see that here that there is strong correlation between sleep and exercise. And one of the ones that I also wanted to pull up was uh, there are effects of chronic and acute exercise and sleep that become more resolute as we take a look at this. And again, I am reading from uh, this article that I have found and I will include a link in the description for you guys so that you guys have access to that. However, this article uh, that was researched by Alexandra Credlow, uh, Michelle C. Capazzoli, again, I apologize if these names are being um, butchered in any way, Bridget A. Huron and others, um, it was published on the 18th of January, 2015, uh, and what they found through their research was two different things. So acute, or I should say short-term, uh, very active exercise, has small benefits, beneficial effects on total sleep time, sleep onset latency, sleep efficiency, stage one sleep, and slow wave sleep. A moderate beneficial effect on wake up time after sleep onset, and a small effect on rapid eye movement sleep. Um, rapid eye movement, that's that REM that we were talking about, and we wanna be in those deeper stages of that rapid eye movement, or that REM. Now, they said alternatively, Regular exercise has small beneficial effects on total sleep time and sleep efficiency. Small to medium beneficial effects on sleep onset latency and moderate beneficial effects on sleep quality. And they do want to clarify that effects are moderated by sex, age, baseline, physical activity, level of participants, as well as exercise type, time of day, duration. I mean, we have all these different variables to come into play. So this is definitely not saying anything is set in stone. This is just what they have found. 
Um, and that goes to show for all of these. But the thing that is consistent across the board is that we have an increase in sleep quality, efficiency, and the ability to recover so that you can, again, perform better in your exercise the next day, which then, again, leads to better sleep, and then so on and so forth. As I mentioned, it's all cyclical. It all feeds back into itself as you go through and you continue to maintain this cycle. So uh, there's definitely a lot of variability in here. There's a lot of different things that come into play, as I mentioned earlier, and as the article mentioned earlier, that can have a huge impact. Uh, chronic illness and um, chronic psychological disorders that impact sleep will obviously have a huge impact on this. I'm, and I know that everybody has heard before that the, that the amount of sleep that you get has an impact on you. I just wanted to break it down for you guys a little bit more and give you guys a little bit more science behind it and give you guys some tips and things that help out with this. As with anything that we do, especially when it comes to maintaining physical fitness or trying to stay in shape or anything like that, there is a necessity and a need to maintain discipline because it will have a huge impact on the way that you continue to live your life. Um, and there are things that we can obviously do to make it easier, but ultimately it depends on where you want to be in the long run. Um, so there is a huge factor to getting enough sleep that totally depends on discipline. It's about saying no. It's about, uh, about taking the correct steps. It's about preparing for it appropriately. It's about adjusting your work schedule if need be. It's about a lot of different things that short term may seem better, but long term and for our efficiency in our exercise and for our overall health are going to be critical that we start to say no and start to turn things off and start to focus on that recovery more often so that we can start to delve into that, again, that recovery and into what tomorrow may bring. And with that being said, uh, I kind of want to bring it back around to the two uh, or the two or three different quotes that we had read at the beginning of the podcast. Um, that first one was going to be from Plato, and it was uh, regarding anxiety. Hang on, let me get it pulled up really fast. This is the problem with having stuff here is that I get a little disorganized. Anyways, Plato said, Nothing in the affairs of men is worthy of great anxiety. Matthew chapter 6, verse 34 from the Bible says, Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Today has enough worry already. And Marcus Aurelius finally said, Today I escaped anxiety, or no, I discarded it, because it was within me, in my own perceptions, not outside. And this is kind of just starting to emphasize on the things that we have control of and the things that are within the present that we can have an impact on and the way that we start to observe the outside world. And more than anything else, I want you guys to just start thinking about this and starting to internalize it and process it a little bit more because I know that truly it can be very difficult to escape anxiety. Um, I know that it's something that, especially here in Western civilization, we tend to not focus on very much. Or if we do, it's kind of the uh, like the age recommendation on a playset for kids. Um, it's just a recommendation, is what some people think. But 
uh, I want to emphasize the importance of trying to become aware of that anxiety within you, starting to become aware of those things that cause internal stress, whether it's family members or whether it's finances or whether it's children, whether it's your job or if it's school or whatever it is that is causing that anxiety and that stress and that fight or flight mode to be stimulated and activated or that that shot of cortisol into our system that tells us to uh, to flee. Whatever it is that starts to stimulate that feeling, I want to try and help create awareness of it so that we can start to take control of our lives so that we can start to live better, that we can start to thrive because there's so much that takes place on a regular basis every single day that is so out of our control and out of our grasp that we can't even fathom that we spend too much time on. Um, And I know, again, this is not something that's going to go away overnight. It is a daily effort. It is a daily practice. It is something that we have to work out every single day in order to maintain. And it's not easy. It's really easy to get worked up, get get anxious, to become stressed and to become worried about things to come, um, especially with where the world is at right now. Um, it's really easy to turn on the news one morning, look at it, watch it for 15 minutes and have an anxious, uh, stress riddled day. Uh, it's everywhere, but there are things that we can do to start working away at that stress and that anxiety. One of those is becoming aware of when it starts to happen to start to recognize those signs of that short, shallow breath, that uh, feeling of irritability, and that feeling of concern, and that knot that you get in your stomach, and that want to just run away and hide, that feeling that we get. Uh, start to recognize those signs, and then start to recognize, as Marcus Aurelius said, there is something within inside of you that you have that is of greater power than you can even imagine that is stronger than those things that make you dance like a puppet. Um, There is power and capability within ourselves and within our own mind that is far greater than we can even realize or imagine. And I'm not talking about going super saiyan. I'm not talking about uh, accessing your chi or your your untapped potential. I'm talking about the capability that you have within yourself to stop being anxious because a world without anxiety, can you even imagine just thinking about it for a moment and just trying to look at a world like that because everybody around us is anxious too. But if you can start to focus on the power that is within yourself to push forward, to do work diligently, to take adequate steps to preserve your legacy to be efficient, to be productive, to be helpful, to be supportive to your spouse and to your children, to your workplace and to your friends in a way that we don't even know about because we're so worried all the time. Imagine a world like that. Um, And obviously there are situations that are going to be more stressful than others. 
Um, and maybe not for a bad reason. Maybe we're anxious for a good reason for having a new baby or we're anxious about getting a promotion maybe, something else like that. But even those things, we want to try and approach with a calm demeanor and with a stalwart approach and start to take things in one step at a time and accept things for what they are and continue to become aware of those signs and those symptoms of anxiety and stress that plague us every single day and start sleeping better and start living better. All right. Thank you guys very much. I appreciate it. Uh, this has been Working Smarter and Harder with Jonathan Rogers. Um, I will include links to all of the articles that I have read and I have referenced down to down below. Thank you very much to those who have done the research. Um, I do appreciate it. Um, again, there's no proof found within these. As with any research, we just have, we are, and with science in general, we are simply describing what is shown. So I encourage you guys to start taking active steps to sleeping better. Um, again, I will include a link to my social media down below as well if you guys are curious and you guys need updates for when new episodes drop. Um, school has started this week. Um, I'm really excited about the classes that I've started so far, learning a lot of cool stuff already, and uh, hopefully you'll hear it as it will continue to uh, bleed into this podcast a little bit. Uh, anyways, that's all that I have for you guys for today. Thanks so much. Catch you all next time.